Amen. Today we, uh, we close our series, No Peace. And we've, as we've looked throughout this series, we've been looking at ways that we can know peace further in our life, that, that peace can be more, made more real in our life, that we can uh, uh, represent that, that we, how, how, can we, how can that grow in our life? And uh, we've looked at different battles, different wars that seem to be going on uh, in our world for us. And so we started back even before uh, on Palm Sunday, and we, we talked about Jesus coming as our king. We talked on, on, on Easter as we, as we celebrated his resurrection. And we, we see that we only have peace with God through the cross. That, 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 that uh, as, uh, as this war that we find ourselves in, even in Psalm 118, where we were at on Palm Sunday, there's this, there's a, there's this conflict, there's this, there's this battle that was going on, but yet God delivered them. God delivered them. Because he, because the one who was the cornerstone was rejected. Because on him, he, the, 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 the sins of man was placed. And as the builders rejected him, upon him, we can build our faith. And as we celebrate his resurrection, that, that, that we have hope beyond this life. That he paid the price for our sin. He died in our place so we might live forever with him. We looked at the battle for our minds, the, the ideas, the, 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 the way that Satan tries to use uh, uh, j- just information, try to, try to uh, 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 get us disoriented. How he plays to our desires. How he, how he works at our heart. So it's not just a battle for our mind, it's also a battle for our heart. And so he toys with those desires about what we want, what's good for us, what's best for us. And, and so we get swayed sometimes because our eyes and our ears and our thoughts and we get pulled one way or the other by, by the world around us. And we see that he uses, Satan uses deceptive ideas to disorder our desires so that they can become normalized in a sinful society. And as we look around, we see that our world seems to be different than in the world we've seen, remember, a few years ago. That things seem to be a, dis, a bit disjointed, maybe a bit dislocated. So it was my uh, sophomore year of college. I was playing intramural basketball. And uh, we, we were, I, I, I don't remember exactly what was going on, where it was in the game. But I remember I, I started the game, but, but I would not finish. And so we were playing this team. And I don't, I don't know kind of what happened. So somehow the other team had the ball. They were coming back on, on a fast break. And, and this guy was dribbling down the left side of the court. He was right in front of the stage that, that, that we had in our gym there. And so as I was, I was in good defensive position, I'm thinking, and then the guy who was dribbling the ball, he was a good player, but he wasn't a great player. I'm like, I, I can steal the ball from him. I'm in good position. And so, so as Ty Osgood is driving down the left side of the court, I'm in good position. I go to swap for the ball and the target that I was going for moved. And instead of getting the ball, uh, my right index finger uh, came in contact with Ty's uh, right thigh. Uh, Ty was not a small fellow. He was a, he, he wasn't like huge, but he was, he, he was stout. He was, uh, his, his thigh was like the size of like a small oak tree. And it had the relative strength of a, of a steel I-beam. And so when my index finger came in contact with his thigh, uh, his thigh won. And my right index finger was pointing out in some direction that it's not normally supposed to go. It, it was dislocated pretty bad. The uh, Thursday before finals week, and if any of you have seen my handwriting, you know that meant good news for my teachers that week. I was trying to write with a splint, my finger in a splint. 
when, and sometimes that's how we feel coming in contact with the world, coming in contact with uh, the, the sort of desires, the sort of ideas, the sort of thoughts. How do we handle, how do we uh, wrestle with this and how do we respond? A.W. Tozer said this, the cause of all human miseries is a radical moral dislocation. Much more radical than my finger, the morals of our culture, the morals of our society seem to be dislocated. They seem to be out of joint. And we find that just like when my finger was dislocated, it didn't work quite right. Our lives don't work quite right because of sin. Problem is the world we live in doesn't see things the same we do. We see that in, in our world that the sin of Adam and Eve has gone viral. And as it has gone viral, we see this play out more and more. The words of the prophet Isaiah. He says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We see people calling evil good and good evil. And Isaiah says, woe to those who do that. And right now it seems, how do we stand? Do we, do we go with everybody else and, and just kind of go along and play along to get along? Or, or do we stand for what we know is right? So what do those call evil good and good evil? And we see that all the time happening around us. And we see our culture, we see our world fracturing. We see it fragmenting. We see it hurting. We live in a world where it seems as if they've switched the price tags, that things are not always as they seem, they're not always as what they used to be. We live in a world where tolerance and acceptance have been elevated above all things, even if those two ideas can't possibly agree at the same time. They can't possibly be true at the same time. We live in a world where those things must be agreed upon. We, when we try to live with dislocated morals, life seems broken and incomplete. Things don't work like they ought. And we keep chasing some sort of, some, some, some sort of high, some sort of happiness that is unattainable and unsustainable. And only by living according to the way of Jesus can we experience the abundant life that God has for us. So today we're going to look at that third battle, the third battle that we are in, not just the battle for our mind or the battle for our heart, but the battle we have with the world around us. And what we'll see is that there's a difference between having a battle with people and a battle with a system. If we look and we, as we look, we realize that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against the people who are around us, but it's against the powers and authorities in the spiritual realm. And so if you would turn with me to first John chapter two, and we're going to look at verses 15 to 17. This is the uh, Apostle John. He's, he's, he's writing to uh, a church that he loves, a church that uh, likely he's been their pastor, he's been their, their preacher, their leader. And, and, and now it seems that he's away from them. We don't know, maybe this is <clears throat> written about the same time he writes Revelation. Maybe he's on the Isle of Patmos. But as he writes this letter to them, we, we, we hear words of courage. We hear words of warning. We hear words of, of encouragement. We hear, we hear words of of correction, like a good father raising up and training and, and, and providing boundaries for his children. John does that for his church as well. So today we're going to see these, these words of warning. 
He's going to show them. He's going he's to tell them what is reality and, and, and how to maybe in a way, how to respond to what's going on around them. Paul, uh, John writes these words. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the, loves the world, love for the father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Just as, as I said, just as a father loves his children, he passes on this wisdom today, these words of warning to establish these boundaries for, for spiritual children that they might walk in the steps of God. And so he starts off with this statement, uh, maybe kind of perplexing to, to us just kind of on the surface. He says, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, now note that this is also written by the same man who wrote most likely the most famous verse in all of scripture. John three sixteen says for God so loved the world. And so that poses kind of a question for us this morning, right? Today's question is to love the world or not love the world. That's the question, right? John, you said for God so love the world. So if God loves the world, shouldn't we love the world? And then here you tell us, do not love the world or anything in the world. Oh, what do we do? What do we do? Well, the interesting thing is the way that John uses the word world is different in both of these situations. So we can take a big deep breath and under, you know, we can relax. Because to answer this question, we have to understand the context of both statements. And John 3.16, Jesus just had this conversation with a high and mighty religious leader named Nicodemus. And they've talked about the mission of God. They've talked about how God's going to bring his kingdom back, how God has, has planned to save his people. And so out of that conversation, whether it's the words of Jesus or the commentary of John, John says, writes for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's about people. God loved the people he created. God, God loved uh, his, his children, all the, all the world, all, all the nations that are there. God loved them so much that he would send his one and only son to die, that those who put their trust in him, who build on the, his life, his life as the cornerstone for their life, they will not die. They will live forever. Jesus came to be the light for us. Saying that God doesn't, God's desire is not that any of us would be destroyed because of sin, but that we would come home to him, that he would save us, that he would redeem us, that he would restore what was broken. Even as children who are still living in a far off country, God's love is never ending for them. To recall to love God's people, the people of the world. So when John here writes, do not love the world or anything in the world, it's not, it's not referring to people. It's not even referring to people who do bad things. I mean, we can go down the list of people who've done awful atrocities in history. And even today, right, man, we wish they'd stop. We wish they would be stopped. God still loves them. And sometimes it's hard for us to reconcile that God would love them the same way he loves us. But God, don't you see that they're fighting against you? Don't you see they stand against you? Don't you see that they are hating your people and destroying your people? God's heart goes out to them. For God so loved the world. He's talking about the people. Do not love the world. He's not talking about people. He's talking about a system. 
He's referring, not, he's not referring to the people he loves because God is for people always. So God, so because God is for people, we need to be for people as well. It doesn't matter what they believe or what they do. They need to know and be shown the unconditional love of the father. Even if the thing they're doing, the words they're saying, the actions that they are committing are exactly expressly against the will of God. It's not even how they identify or what they even say they believe about God, the world, or anything. We need to love them well because God has loved us well, even when we are far from him. We're not to love the world, the system of the world. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, right? We talked about uh, uh, hollow philosophy, the deceptive philosophies, the hollow tr- human traditions. Uh, Paul looked at these things and these, these other things that people were believing and, and, and shaping their lives around. And, and you, you probably have seen it today, don't you? I mean, you, you, you hear how people kind of mix maybe a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of this, and they begin to do this, this hodgepodge of, of spiritualism in our culture, in our world. And so then maybe they, they end up saying enough things that sound right that we kind of go, oh, well, yeah, they get it. But then, but then there's parts that you're going, that, I don't remember Jesus saying that. I don't remember how that works in, but, but we don't know how do we confront, how do we handle, how do we uh, look at these worldly systems that take a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of this and try to pass it off as real. These human traditions, the hollow and deceptive philosophies are the adversaries in the battle of ideas that we face. And while we possibly are smarter than any other generation, it's also probable that we have been educated beyond our intelligence. As we, as, as we often appear willing to fall prey to any wind of teaching that suits our fancy. And today it's, it's this and tomorrow it's that. Next week, it's going to be a different thing. Next month, next year, whatever's in today becomes the end thing. And Satan uses, he's used the same MO his entire life and all throughout history that he uses deceptive ideas that play to our disordered desires that are then normalized in the sinful society. He routinely uses the same method of disinformation to attempt to move the lines of right and wrong. He did that in the garden, right? Did you see that? Yeah. As they're talking about trees and, and Satan's like, that, that God really say that you would, he didn't say you would surely die. He's trying to move that line of right and wrong. He's trying to move the line of the consequence for our action. And he does it when he gets us to believe that acceptance means agreement. And so we either have to choose to agree with everyone we disagree with, or we have to choose to appear to not accept them. When in reality, we can accept people and still disagree with them. When we choose to disagree with someone's position, somehow it makes us appear intolerant. But to disagree with, uh, to disagree with and to seek to end sinful philosophy does not mean we harbor ill will towards the individual. It just means that we stand against the position they hold. See, scripture holds that we have free will to make any life choice we want, where we live, who we love, what job we do, what things we, 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 we participate in. We all have free will choices. And for, but for all of our free will choices, there are consequences, aren't there? there? There are consequences for good when we act in obedience with God. 
We get the blessing of God. We, we, we get to see God move and work in our life. We, 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 we almost, maybe you almost feel like God's joy and presence in your life more when you're walking in obedience with him. But sometimes the choices we make, the consequences we make are, are the consequences we receive are, are for bad. And maybe it was a bad choice. Maybe it was someone else's bad choice. And we, we, we feel the effects of sin in our life and, and it hurts us and it kind of dampens us down. They kind of feel, we, we feel that weight because something's just out of whack. We feel our deceptive ideas have disordered our desires, have dislocated our morals, have dislocated the things in our life. So we see here, we, we, when, we, when we read the word, word world, we have, we have to recognize it's not about the people. It's not even people who live contrary to God's, uh, God's will. But when we read the word world, it's the, the system that is at odds with the will of God. And so John goes on. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. We, we, here, the, if you see the words, uh, the word lust in, up there in verse, the top part in verse 16, and the word desires down here in verse 17, the world and its desires, those are the, actually the same Greek word. They come from the same word. So we, whether you want to use the word lust or the word desires, it, it, it's, it's these things that Satan has tried to, to deceive us into disorder in our life. So we can read the, the desires of the eye and the desires of the flesh. They do not lead us into the way of Jesus. It does not come from the father, but from the world. The world system is trying to normalize sin so that righteousness, so that God's way is the one that seems to be the deviant position. I said, it's been that way from the beginning. In Genesis 3.16, Moses writes for us, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom, she took it and she ate some. She saw that it was good for food. I mean, who, who here likes good food? Everybody like good food? I mean, I, I, I don't cook much in my house, uh, but when I do, I want it to be good. And so we, we, and when we eat food, we, most likely we want food that is good. When she, she sees the apple. She sees the fruit on the tree. And, and she sees and she saw that it was good for food. It spoke to her, spoke to her flesh. She said, hmm, I've not had that fruit I might want to taste what that fruit tastes like. The desires of the flesh. She, the scripture says, she saw that it was pleasing to the eye. She was, it, we, not only do we want our food to taste good, but, but often we want to look good, right? I mean, have you seen the number of people who take pictures of the food they eat before they eat it? Like it's like beautifully plated and it's just so, I mean, you never go to a fancy restaurant and they just dump the food on your plate, right? Here you go. No, I was like, you're just like you just want it all together. It's going to get all mixed up anyway. No, if you go to a fancy restaurant, they lay it on the food plate just so it's presented. And, you, and sometimes you look at it and go, for as much as I'm paying, I thought I'd get a little bit more of that. Uh, but they put it all on there. And they put it on there beautifully. And they see that it is desirable to the eye. 
And we want the food that we eat to be desirable. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we do the same thing? With, uh, some of you have been wondering, well, you have a bag of chips up there. Just in case I get hungry. Now, we, 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 we found this uh, brand of chips. Have you, have, you, have you heard of the brand Uglies? The, the, the motto, naturally imperfect, honestly delicious. Uh, what they do is they take uh, potatoes that don't make the cut. Like Lay's, Lay's has a standard. And they they got to be like so. And it's like, that's, that's an imperfect potato. That, 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 that potato's got a few more eyes than we really wanted to. It's a, it's a little too lumpy. The color's not quite right. Ugly's are like, we'll take it. <laughs> We're just going like, to kettle chip that thing, and people aren't going to care what it looked like when it came out of the ground. And it's going to taste delicious. And sometimes we overfocus on what things look like and don't realize that things, we need to get down to what's more underneath. Our world will say, look, look how beautiful. And we get seduced by the beauty and then we're trapped. We see Satan goes, look, look, this is beautiful. This is attractive. This is desirable. We have the desires of the flesh and we have the desires of our eye pleading on us and it's beginning to war within us. And we need to remember what is right and what is true. See, the food was good. Not only, good, not only was it, uh, it, it, it seemed to be good for food, not only did it seem to be uh, pleasing to the eye, but it was also good for gaining wisdom, that, that boastful pride of life. Who doesn't like to know stuff, Right? Like when you're in a crowd of people and people are talking and, and maybe there's this conversation, like, well, what about this? What about that? Don't you just like kind of be able to step in and have an answer? Go, oh, I know what you're, I know exactly what you're talking about. If you have this, she's like, oh, I can gain wisdom from this. I can know things. She, 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 didn't, she wanted to, to know what she didn't know. So whatever that latest thing, whatever, Sometimes we want to be, want to present ourselves as knowing more than maybe we ought, or maybe we do. Sometimes we want to focus on the facade over the core. Sometimes we want show over substance. And Satan gives, presents this ultimate bait and switch. Here, come chase this. Pleasing to the eye. It's going to make you feel good. Make you know things. It'll give you you know, kind of give you some pride, give you some, you'd be able to carry yourself just a little, a little bit higher. But the world and its system is passing away. The way the system of the world is actively fighting against the way of Jesus. And the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life are not only tolerated, they're celebrated. Theo Hobson in his book, Reinventing Liberal Christianity, said this, what was universally condemned is now celebrated. What was universally celebrated is now condemned. And those who refuse to celebrate are now condemned. Have you seen that? Have you seen that in our world? Those things that used to be, that, that, that used to be obviously wrong are now presented as good options, good choices. What, what, what was uh, universally celebrated, those things that we used to be like, yeah, everyone agreed that these are good things. Sometimes those things are now condemned. How can you hold that position? And those who refuse to celebrate with the new things are now condemned. Here are the results. 
Because we're all about the results, right? We, we went, okay, is this going to work? If I, put, if I do these things, if, if I follow this plan, will, will, will my bank account go up? If I do these things, will, I get, uh, will my health be better? If I do these things, will my relationships be better? We, we, we want to know about the results. What's the return on investment? What is it for? What will pay out in the end? And John says this, the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do not love the world or anything in the world for whoever has love for the world. The love of the father is not in them. The, 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 the world advances these things, the, the, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life. These things are not from the father, but from the world and the world and its desires, the world and its lust, they will pass away. But whoever does the will of whoever does the desires of our father will live forever. The final score is God's way wins. There's no alternative and there's no substitute. The world and its desires will pass away. They are empty promises, broken dreams. If you want to know what's going to work, if you want to know what will pay off in the end, if you choose, choose not the system of the world, but walk in the way of Jesus. Paul says it like this. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is his good, pleasing and perfect will. See the battle we fight is not new. The weapons that Satan uses are the same. They may be updated for a new generation, but the desires of the eyes, the desires of the flesh and the boastful pride of life is how he gets us to take the, our eyes off of Jesus and prioritize things that will not last. See, our world is on a happiness quest, on a, on a quest for peace. They, they chase after uh, what, what will make them feel good. Now, our happiness and our peace, though, is only found when we conform ourselves, not to the pattern of this world, but to the way of Jesus. And only in Jesus will we find a beauty so captivating that all else will appear undesirable. Only in Jesus will we experience life so abundant and so complete that all else will seem bland and mundane. And only in Jesus will we experience an adventure beyond compare that makes the rest of, the li- or the rest of our life seem boring. See, the ways of the world overpromise and underdeliver. But those who follow in the ways of the world, they're not our enemy. The ones who do the ways, who follow the ways of the world, they are not our enemy. They are objects of God's love. Instead of taking our fight to those who disagree with us, let us win them with the love of God. Even God demonstrated his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. My challenge for you this week, that each day, Let us focus on one attribute of of God. Each day, choose one attribute of God to focus on that that, that will help us to overcome this battle in our mind and in our life. As we look and and, and we're pulled to, to chase after this or chase after that, may we focus on who God is and his desires for us. Each day as we choose to focus on him, we'll find ourselves making those right choices 
We'll find ourselves in the right kind of place to, to confront not the person, but the ideology. That we'll be able to win our friend with the love of God, even as we may disagree with their personal position. So as we gaze upon him and his majesty, everything else will fade away until there's only Jesus. So maybe today you need to defeat the lie that is being forced at you. Maybe today, maybe for you today, it's, there's a battle in your mind about the deceptive ideas. Maybe there's a battle in your heart over disordered desires. And maybe we find ourselves constantly in war with the world. That we, we're wrestling with how do, we, how do we live out God's position, even in a world that is trying to say that what was good is now evil. Maybe today you need to choose the way of Jesus. Maybe today you need to make him your savior to be baptized into him. You can only buy the lie for so long until it begins to feel like reality. Maybe today you need to talk with someone. Maybe today where where you're at with your faith, you need to have a conversation with someone. I'd love to meet you in the back after the service. Discuss what your next step might be. Maybe it's choosing Jesus as your savior. Maybe it's connecting with others. That way, in the, in, in the fellowship of, of Bible study, as we look at scripture, as we begin to, to walk in step with, with him, we can begin to put together a plan to overcome those battles in our mind and our heart. Maybe you're at home and you, you, you're, you're uh, having these choices as well. You can let us know by using the connection card at cchmd.com slash connect and you can check one of the boxes, the boxes that best applies. But what next step you need to take, we'll pray for you, we'll help resource you, we'll walk with you each step of the way that you might grow in your faith. So the only way we can experience peace in our life, peace in our world, is if we have a single-minded devotion on the divine. Because only in Jesus can we know peace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you that you came to make peace for us, you can make peace with us. Father, I pray that you would help us to each day walk in step with you. That, Father, you would use us to help others make peace with you as well. That be those who may have, may, may have bought the deceptive ideas. That, Father, they, they, they just take what is coming their way, that they just accept everything that is being told to them. Father, maybe they have disordered desires. Maybe they're feeling the temptation, the pull of this life or that life, this choice or that choice. And and Father, they have no filter. They have no guide to to, to help provide boundaries for what is right, what is wrong. Father, would you help us to come alongside our friends and encourage them in a better way. And Father, as we live in a world where sinful actions are, are being normalized, where those things that, we, you once, that were once called evil are now being considered good. Father, you help us to continue to stand for what is right. Father, I thank you that you stood against the evils of your day, that you, might, that you would win the battle for us. And so, Father, I pray that we can do the same, that we can win the battle in this day, in this age, so you might be glorified, that you might be lifted up. Father, would you help us to advance the way of Jesus? 
the way of love. Father, not casting off people because of uh, who they are, what they do, what they say, even what they believe. But that, Father, we might help disarm and defeat the system of this world so that all of your children can come home to you. Lord, we thank you for the peace that we have in Jesus. Peace you made for us on the cross. It's in his name I pray. Amen. And we hope you have a great week, and we look forward to seeing you next Sunday.